this is totally not Danzig, and you're listening to the Shred Shack. Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack. Yeah, this is Chris Mack. Uh, welcome to you to episode 132 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your premier source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal, airing bi-weekly on iTunes, Mixcloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and YouTube at youtube.com slash adamantstemplum and youtube.com slash the Shred Shack. Yeah, I got that down just yeah, right. Yeah, you did. Yeah, nice. I got this. All right, so let's start with some old business. All right, old business. A lot of these have to do with lineup changes that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Okay. So Onslaught have announced the addition of vocalist Dave Garnett to the group's ranks. Garnett has already performed with Onslaught, having filled in for previous singer Cy Keeler at the House of Metal Festival in Umi, Sweden in late November. You know, before things went to shit. Yeah. Nervosa have announced their new lineup. After a long and rigorous audition process, Aprika Amaral which is Nervosa's creator, founding member, and guitarist, has been joined by vocalist Diva Satanica of Bloodhunter, bassist Mia Wallace, formerly of Abath and Triumph of Death, and drummer Ilani uh, Nota of Mask of uh, Prospero and Croak Met, um, Madame. So they went from being a trio to, to a, being a quartet. To a quartet, which is yeah. probably going to be badass. Yeah. But Especially uh, for like a thrash metal band. But also that that name, what was it? Was it Diva Satan? Satanica. Satanica, whatever. That, that it sounds like the, the the title of a Danzig movie. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> it really does. It's, 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 it sounds absolutely perfect. I love it. But that'll be interesting to see how how they how they sound as a quartet. Mm-hmm. So, taking a sound a little bit, probably a little more guitar harmony going on involved. That'll, that'll be, be that'll be cool. So. A lot of, lot of um, potential there. It's going to be great. Yeah. All right. Last but not least here, David Dipold. Dipold? Dipold? Anyway. He is um, a well-known drummer for Benighted, Hate, Belphegor, Give Me Blood, and uh, Cognizance. And he's known for his highly technical signature playing in extreme metal, has joined the German progressive death metalers Obscura as a permanent member. He collaborated internationally with several groups as session player and is also working as a drum teacher. He has appeared on Cognizance's Cognizance's, uh, first full-length album, Malignant Dominion, in 2019, among other recordings. Cool. Yes, sir. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Is that it for old business? That is it for old business. So let's move on to new business. And with new business, we start talking about first new album releases, um, of which I have none because I feel like not not much of interest to me came out personally. All right. Well, I'll go through a few. Mm-hmm. I'll go – start with what came out uh, May 1st because that's, I think, the one we were, around the time we recorded the last podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at listening to certain things. So there was Aether Realm that was very good. An Autumn for Crippled Children, All Fell Silent, Everything Went Quiet. That was very good. Havoc is a great record. Their their album five, just good old thrash metal right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vader, kind of a uh, a stalwart in the thrash metal scene, I think. But I think my favorite one from that particular week though was Witchcraft Black Metal, which is not black metal at all. It's just a singer and a guitar and a, an acoustic guitar, and it's really 
did. Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of that one. Um, at the same time that week came out um, Atonement 2, which is B-Size for Charity, which is probably from Killswitch Engage, came out. It's a quick EP of uh, some of the, some songs from the Atonement sessions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Killswitch Engage, awesome. Yeah. I didn't listen to much from the, from May 8th, um, but I'm looking for the list now, and it looks like a lot of stuff that I need to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Um, Oathbreaker, a band that I particularly like, came out with a record. It looks like Sojourner came out with a record on May 8th. We've been talking about them for a while. Uh, a couple other ones I need to catch up on. And now from this past week, I got a lot of stuff queued up. And I, I listened to maybe a handful of things already mm-hmm. from this week. Um, first things first, I tried to listen to uh, Asking uh, Alexandria. <laughs> and uh, that <laughs> I, was a mistake. I like how you uh, you prefaced that with try. Yeah, that, that was a mistake. That was not good. I, oh, I, did, no. I did not enjoy that whatsoever. And what, and what are they again? Uh, I think they're kind of like... I don't know. I, like... I, I kind of associate it with like like that that like I I, I think metalcore. Yeah, yeah, it was more of like a pop edge. Mm. Like it sucked. <laughs> I was not a fan. I hated it actually. Mm. It, it downright sucked. Yeah. Um, I hope you were. I hope you weren't listening to it while working out. No, I was driving. Okay, I was driving. That's that's even worse. <laughs> no, fortunate <laughs> enough, it was just easy at a red light to change up to the next album that I listened to, which was Firewind. And that was so uh, much better. Okay. Yeah, 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 uh, <laughs> so much better. Okay. <laughs> but their self-titled album starting off pretty good. Um, like I said, that was like about the only thing I had to listen, to, a chance to listen to this week. But uh, coming up in the queue is Paradise Lost, their new record, uh, Obsidian, uh, a band called Binary Codes. Um, Triptychon has a uh, live album out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a bunch of other stuff from from this week that I'll be catching up on to uh, to get going. But man, do yourselves a favor. Do not, do not, repeat. Do not listen to Asking Alexandria. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've 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 never heard any of their stuff, but I've, I've always kind of associated them on the on the on the negative side. Yes, they're they're that they're that band where um like the I think the meme is like. Like someone tells you that their favorite that they listen to a lot of metal and the first band they mention is Asking Alexandria and it's just like you know smothering with a pillow kind of thing. Yeah, one of those things. Yeah, like like, like one of those five finger death punch ones. Yeah, like yeah, that. one of those. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, them and, and maybe Avenged Sevenfold and stuff like that. And yeah. Although I like Avenged Sevenfold. I love Avenged Sevenfold, but so. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, so then what else have we been listening to? Well, let's go through our albums of the day. We only did one week of albums of the day. We needed to take a break last week to do some catching up on certain things. Uh-huh. Uh, so, got a couple weeks ago, we did, uh, you did, Angra, Aurora, Consurgence, mm-hmm. and I listened to Ear and Uprise, uh, Penumbrum. Okay, so... And, Penumbra. And, and that's, that's not the last you'll hear of that album from and us. That, honestly, man, you gotta get on that. Yeah, I, 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 the the tracks I keep, the, the, I keep like starting it, and then I have to stop it because I'm in the middle of work and everything. And, and what I hear of it, I, I'm like, yeah. And the thing is, every time I go back to it, I like it more. Yeah. So. All right, then like, next up we got Bob Dylan traveling through, featuring Johnny Cash. What a fucking great record! I never heard it, but still, it sounds great. Yeah. And this is from the Bootleg series, Volume 15. Yep. All right, I listened to uh, the Aether Realm album, the Redneck Vikings from Hell. 
Mm-hmm. Right. If you listen to some Ozzy Osbourne, No Rest for the Wicked. Yeah. And I listen to Witchcraft Black Metal. Primal Rock Rebellion for you. Yep. That's a good record. Yeah. I was a big fan of that one. Anyone who doesn't know, that's the the record that Adrian Smith did with the lead singer from Sixth. 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 Yep. And I listen to Havoc, five. Uh, the last album of the day that we did, I listened to, to Trivium's new record, What the Dead Men Say, which is fucking great, and you listen to Sixth, uh, the, their up. Opacities. Uh, Opacities? Opacities. Opacities record. Uh, EP, actually. Yeah. Which was on which was on my favorites list when it came out. Yeah, I think ago. I think it was my album of the day a while back, like, yeah. when it came out. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's been a while. But yeah, it's been a few years. Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely an awesome EP, and 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 there's still there's there's a there's a talking track on there that like it's so it's so awesome, like like you, you feel like sometimes tracks that are just dialogue mm-hmm. or or a monologue would would kind of break up something like that, but it's done in such a way that is absolutely perfect, uh-huh. especially like just for this for the flow of the album, the, the style of the music and everything. It's just it, it's so good. Um. I could listen to this, this that track on on repeat, and it's like a minute and a half of just talking. I've only had one track like that that that's ever hit me like that, mm-hmm. and that's um the the closing track on Stone Sour's um, debut record. It's just Corey Taylor, Taylor reading something, and mm-hmm. it's all spoken word. And I like I fucking loved it. Mm-hmm. That was cool. But what else have we been listening to? Ozzy, lots of Ozzy, only because uh, catching up on some of the stuff that we're doing, like the ten word review. On Ozzy, so I listened to the entire discography this week. Yeah, the has entire enli- has that been enlightening for you? It was good, you know. Um, definitely some slow parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I got I got some puns worked up, ready to go for the. Uh, uh, fuck. Oh yeah, you you better fucking believe it, bro. Nah, that's great. Oh uh, yeah, that's you great. better fucking believe it. That's great. <laughs> um, but other than that, it just. You know, just random shit, really. Okay. Um, so I am currently up to Anthrax in my uh, my A to Z listen. Still in the A is amazing. Shut up, <laughs> dude. Dude, can you? I, I want you to sit here and just think about. It. I've been doing this since September. I haven't hit Arion yet. Yeah. That and and I'm doing. I'm you, doing. You're up to A N, which is like the middle of the alphabet. I'm doing. I'm doing CDs. Vinyl and DVDs all at once. Oh man, you're gonna be on area for like a month. I know, right? <laughs> Pat was saying, "Well, we we, we well, well, here, well, I'm sorry, but not to interrupt you, but here's a question I have. Yeah, and when you say you know everything, like do you do you have to listen to like the Electric Castle like three times? We have three different versions of it. No, okay. no. If I, I listen to the album itself once, oh, okay, I listen to the album and then I listen to the live album. Okay, so gotcha. Now, if if it was something like I had. If it was something like I had a CD of demos from that album or something like that, and then I listened to the demos, of course, then I listened to the album, you know, I listened to, you know, the, the differences. Yeah. So, um, if I have two copies of the same album, I'll listen to the one that has the most tracks. Mm, okay, so, like the bonus shit. Yeah, the gotcha. one. Yeah, because like like for Anthrax, I have two copies of Stomp Four Four Two. One of them is the expanded edition, uh-huh. so I listen to the expanded edition because it has more tracks. Gotcha. So, um, but um, what was it? So Anthrax, 
I'm starting to I'm starting to like sit here and and think about things, and it's something that I actually want to bring up later on as our discussion. Um, but I I'm kind of finding myself more toward the side of the John Bush era. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, and I, and I I think I'll get into that later, but like I'm just enjoying it a lot more. Um. Just, just like stylistically, musically, you know, like I, I like, I like thrash, but I mean, there's just something about the style that they went for that I like a lot more. I think that would probably be for me. Is it's just that's when I got into Anthrax because I never just jumped into them like I did with Metallica. I jumped into them in the John Bush era, especially with Inside Out, um, and then uh, <clears throat> like my first Anthrax record that I actually purchased in hand. Was what was the one? Sound of white noise? No, no, the one, the last one that they did with John Bush. Oh, well, we've come for you all. Yeah, that one, and that's when I, the first time I saw them live was with John Bush. Yeah, you know, it's just like I would just associate them with the John Bush era. Yeah, and like everything that that's with Joey Belladonna, that's always been classic and catching up. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's just like after John Bush left. Yeah, you know. So, so I'm going to bring up more of this with our discussion because I came up with it yesterday and I just remembered what I wanted to talk about. Awesome, you know, badass. So, so cool. Um, but I'm up to Anthrax. Uh, I, I, I finished Stomp, for, Stomp 442 yesterday. I'm up to Volume 8. Um, so I still have I still have the new stuff with, with Belladonna. I have the live album and the live DVD to watch. Um, so I'm just remembering your, your review of For All Kings. It's good. <laughs> the rest of us had a lot to say about the record, and then just chimes in. It's good. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I need to. I need. I, that's another album I need to give another listen to. But that's what this is all for: is to be able to give my uh, my entire collection a, a good solid listen. And anything I don't like, I give to you. It's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what I've true. done so far. So. Um, but aside from Anthrax, I've been listening to a um, little bit of Grand Magus. I finished up buying up their CDs, oh, so, cool. so I've been so I've been slowly going through them and, and getting to listen to them. Um, I feel like, like I'm listening. To, I listened to their first album twice, and like they are so they were so groove heavy. Uh-huh. Like they, they were a little more groove heavy early on, and, and it was it was so good. Like it's like they, they I I just I love I love I love I I'm I'm finding myself more towards uh that kind of like that doom stoner rock kind of side that 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 side that has those thick Sabbathy riffs uh-huh. and and like just great grooves and and Grand Magus is definitely one of them and I love JB's voice yeah for so sure it, it makes it it makes it that much better um, aside from that uh, I brought up. A lot of Dylan lately, um, new and old. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know if you've heard any any like latter day Dylan. Not really. Okay, no. I, so, I just know his voice is a little. His voice is like raspy as fuck. Yeah, it's like a little shot. Yeah, like, but, but it, it but, it, but it, but it works. Yeah, it really does. Especially like, there's a particular track on an album he did about eight years ago. It's called Scarlet Town. I've like re-listened to this song like ten times. Uh-huh. It's just, it's like seven minutes. Of this kind of this this eerie groove, this kind of dreary sounding song, and his voice is just like this raspy, like storytelling, 
Like it, it, it's it's like this it's like this like the sound of like a montage basically. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's very it's very cool. I love the song. I, I I'm finding myself more toward his voice now. Um, he has a new album coming out um, in June. Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, how many is that for him? Like a, a lot. Fifty three. Like, a, a lot. The fuck? <laughs> um, it's a it's an it's, and it's also an album of, of actual his own music because the last time that he released an album of his own music was eight years ago. Uh-huh. He's been he's been doing other people's music since then. Um, he's been doing other people's music. What do you mean, like cover albums? Yeah, basically like a cover albums of like I guess American classics. Oh, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha, so, I gotcha. So okay. he's 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 done like three albums of that, um, and now now he's gone back to writing his own material, and that's what this new album's gonna be. Gotcha. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, um, but yeah, it's been it's been a lot of it's been a lot of Dylan to help me like chill out like between doing my my work. So, yeah, I can hear that. So. That's what the, that that witchcraft black metal record has been doing for me. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just the dude and his guitar, mm-hmm. and it's it's fairly short. Yeah, but it's it's really relaxing. Yeah, really relaxing. The one last thing I mentioned I didn't mention. Um, <clears throat> um I bought uh, a Beseech album. It was on my it was on my top three a few years ago when it came out. Called uh, My Darkness, Darkness. Uh, very hymn sounding. Who's him? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, kind of like they—they they used to kind of sound a little more um, slower, doomish, uh, harsh vocals. Now they're—they're they're like strictly clean between male and female vocals. Okay. Um, just very, very morose sounding. Yep. Um, and it's—it's a, it's a great record, and I—I um, I couldn't get it for a good price on Amazon, so I bought it from Discogs. Cool. So, so I was like, there we go. But that's what I've been listening to. Very nice. All right. Are we ready? Uh, yes. All right. Well, we're going to start off with our obituaries, of course. Get it out of the way. Oh, fuck. Well, rock legend Little Richard has died at the age of 87. Mm-hmm. His son, Danny uh, Penniman, confirmed the musician's death through Rolling Stone, but said the cause of death was unknown. But Little Richard passed away. Yeah, that one... Uh, that one was a surprise. It, it, it's... There's there's been a surprising amount of 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 non-COVID related death like, yeah. in the last few days. Yes. It's been like what the fuck, what the fuck, what like, the like fuck. Every day, at least like two or three people are dying. Like they're not happening in threes anymore. They're happening in like thirty threes. Yeah, feel like yeah, and, and and it's not necessarily related to the pandemic at hand. And it's like the fuck is going on, right? But eighty-seven, that's a good long life. And anyone who doesn't know, I think. Um, Little Richard was one of Lemmy's most favorite performers of all fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember watching the Lemmy documentary, and it was it was him and Dave Grohl just talking about Little Richard for like a fifteen minute span on the on the on the on the movie. It was crazy, mm-hmm. but he absolutely loved that guy. Yeah. Uh, last but not least, here according to TMZ, former Bad Company singer Brian Howe uh, has died at the age of sixty six. Hal passed away Wednesday, May 6th, at his home in Florida after suffering cardiac arrest. He had a history of heart issues, having previously had a heart attack in 2017. The singer was reportedly involved in a road traffic uh, accident in Florida at the end of April, in which he suffered broken ribs. Just six days before his death, he updated a fan who asked about his recovery after the accident, uh, and he said he wasn't doing very well. Uh, Hal fronted Bad Company between 1986 and 1994 and provided vocals on hit albums including 1988's Dangerous Age and 1990's Holy Water. 
I think those were the actually like the only two albums I don't have yet from uh, from Bad Company. I had no idea that it continued as a band without uh, Roger Waters. I Not Roger Waters. Paul Rogers. <laughs> Paul Rogers, yeah. Fuck. Um, but uh, I do they did, but I, I, I haven't I haven't paid much attention. Well I'll I'll get I'll get to them when I get to the A to Z class. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in like a, about a year and a half. Yeah. Oh so oh, so the, the the thing I wanted to mention before was I was playing games with Pat the other day and he's like you know, I was thinking about it the other day and I've been watching The Simpsons lately and like you know, like you know the episode, the casino episode? Uh, remember that episode where Mr. Burns makes the casino and he's uh, watching everybody and he becomes Howard Hughes? Yes. He's like, by the time you get to Alice Cooper, you're going to look like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're you are absolutely right. <laughs> but you already threw Alice Cooper. Oh, you go you put Alice Cooper as a C. Yeah. Okay. Technically, if I if I if I wanted to do things if I wanted to do things proper, I would have done thing. I would have done. His band material, the band Alice Cooper under A, and then put his solo material under C. But, What's the difference? Um, technically, he went solo as of Welcome to My Nightmare. Because prior to that, they were known as a band named Alice Cooper, fronted by Alice Cooper. Oh. Yeah. If you want to get technical. If you want to get technical, which I'm not. I don't give a fuck. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. I think... I think I would have went because I I was so like because of that whole thing I didn't re- like I, I realized that they were a band I would have just associated it as a band Alice Cooper mm-hmm. like and not necessarily like a name but like a character mm-hmm. like you know that's yeah. the way I would have done it yeah the only the only the only artist that I actually split for like that is Blaze Bailey because he had a bla- a band first named Blaze and then went under the name Blaze Bailey yeah that's the yeah. only time I split it up yeah. Either way, it's still in the B's, so you're good there. Yeah. Same thing with uh, Bon Jovi. I have a, I have Bon Jovi, and then I have the record, uh, the uh, Blaze of G- Glory soundtrack under the name John Bon Jovi, gotcha. which comes which comes separate. So. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Put it back, you fucker. There you go. Uh-huh. All right, we ready for some general news? Yes. All right. So the pretty reckless has inked a U.S. deal with Fearless Records, the band which is uh, signed to Century Media Records for territories outside the U.S., will release its fourth album, Death by Rock and Roll, later in the year. The Cult have inked a deal with Black Hill Records. There is no information about a new recording from them. I'm sure it's coming. They, 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 they tend to sneak around a lot. Yeah, they do. And when they do release something, it tends to be very good. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like they've... They've always hit the mark. Yeah, I, 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 like at the very least, they've they, they've been. They're 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 a band that's decent at worst. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and then that and the singer's voice is just so fucking good. Yeah. All right, Gibson, the iconic American-made leading instrument brand, has announced a new four-part live interview series, "Ask Eddie Kramer," presented by Gibson. This will premiere on May. It premiered actually on May seventh at six p.m. Uh, Central Time on Gibson's Facebook Live. Uh, every Thursday in May, the live series will feature legendary producer and engineer Eddie Kramer, who is renowned for his collaborations with The Beatles, David Bowie, Eric Clapton, Jimi Hendrix, The Kinks, Kiss, Led Zeppelin, The Rolling Stones, John Mellencamp, Carlos Santana, and many, many more. Ask Eddie Kramer will focus on special topics and highlight throughout uh, Eddie's storied recording career, including Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin, Woodstock, and the Rolling Stones. 
that sounds pretty awesome. Right? I mean, obviously, I missed some of it already. There should be some fucking, there really should be some more documentary stuff about the recording of, like, classic albums. The ones that I've seen, I like a lot. Yeah, Um, I mean, one of my all-time favorite rock movies or documentaries is A Year and a Half in a Life of Metallica. Yeah. Like, by far. Um... One one of the ones I liked, um, I don't know, I forgot who who made the series, but it's basically, um, I, I have them over there, um, but they're they're like making of certain albums. Oh, the classic album series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one, I have one for Number of the Beast, I have one for Night at the Opera by Queen, and I have one for Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Wow! Yeah. I want to see that one. Yeah. So like those, I haven't watched the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road one. But I've watched the one um, on Night at the Opera, and obviously the one on Iron Maiden. Um, but the one on the Night at the Opera was most interesting because of the fact that it's Queen, and because of the fact that this was still at the time before they they were using synthesizers. They uh-huh. were talking about how they made all the different sounds yes, and yes, stuff. Yes, yes, yes. And it's a very it's very fascinating. And obviously, you know, Queen is, you know, they they, they were, you know, very. They were. I can't. I can't think of the term, but they were. They were. They were. They were trying to push the boundaries of, at the time of what they could do in the studio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and um, yeah, it's just fascinating. Stuff. And that's all the stuff that's happened. Like that's those documentaries recorded after it. So they're going back to revisit classic albums. Yeah. I'm thinking more along the lines of like documentaries while recording. Yeah. The the album in the moment. That's why I think like you know you're not having life of Metallica is the best because they're recording what became their biggest album ever. Yeah. At the time, yeah, I think um, I think I have a, the VHS I have of of Megadeth is the making of Euthanasia. Mm, that would be cool. Yeah, I think um, one of the ones I liked the most was I think it was um, Sacrament by Lamb of God mm-hmm. came with a DVD of them recording the record, and that was really fun to watch. I think even God forbid had one too. Um, I think for Constitution um, of Treason, mm-hmm. very. Like I just like to see them recording things in the moment, not like talking about it after the fact, but yeah. like in the moment. Like I think one of my favorite bits from the Lamb of God one was that uh, their producer, whose name Machine, um, was very um, adamant about getting a very breathless uh, sound out oh, of yeah, Randy he, he made him do sprints around. Yeah, the... he made him like run around the block or something like that. And then as soon as he came back, all out of breath, he just shoved the microphone in his face and told him to fucking sing. And it was badass. Yeah. It was fucking crazy to watch. Because yeah. Brandy Blythe's trying to catch his breath. He's fucking dying. This guy's shoving the microphone in his face. It's just crazy to watch. Yeah. It's fucking great. That's also why I love all the Arion releases, because they always come yes, to making Yes, that's that. always a great one, too. Yeah. That's always good. But, like, every every single album comes with one of those, and it's, like, it's just great to watch, especially because of the fact that he has all these different voices come on. Yeah, and it's always like, great to watch each individual singer, like, perform yeah, differently. Exactly. And, uh, I fucking love it, yeah. yeah it's it's absolutely cool. right. Yeah. All right. Next up, Fozzie singer Chris Jericho has made the list. No, um, has uh, joined forces with trickster bassist PJ Farley, guitarist Joe McGinnis, and drummer Kent Slusher. Slusher. Uh, to form a KISS cover band called Quarantine, spelled with a K. Uh, the band's debut single and video for the song No, 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 which originally appeared on KISS's 1987 album Crazy Nights, uh, was released on May 15th on all digital streaming platforms. Interesting. Right? Yeah. I think their, I think their, their uh, aim here on this particular cover band is for the, like, the really 
obscure tracks. Yeah, I would say so. Because Kiss does have a lot of good stuff that's that's beyond the classic material that, you know, I'm sure even the diehards can often forget. Right. So, so that's fun. Yeah. That just reminds me I should add Fozzie to my Catching Up playlist. Yeah. Uh, Rainbow singer Ronnie Rom- uh, Romero has rejoined Lords of Black. The band is putting the fishing touches on its next album, Alchemy of Souls Part 1, uh, due later in the year via Frontiers Music. Uh, Romero announced his departure from the Spanish melodic progressive metal act in January of 2019. It was subsequently replaced by Diego Valdez, um, and there's no word on why Valdez left. Lords of Black is good, though. But, um... Speaking of Rainbow, um, I had to post a meme of Dio today because I forgot to. I forgot. I, I posted the, the meme for yesterday, and then I was like, oh shit, today's the anniversary of Dio's death. Yeah, 10 years. So, 10 fucking years. Holy yep. shit. Yep. God damn it. Um, and uh, we, and we, we still need more. More Dio material. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I need like a box set of just like there's got to be stuff in the closet for for like from from everything he's ever done. Yeah. So. All right. This next bit is the most Swedish thing that could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. So Opeth frontman Mikael Ackerfeld will score the upcoming Netflix series Clark. The Jonas Ackerlund. Uh, oh, the six-episode drama series about the Swedish criminal Clark Olofsson will be directed by Jonas Ackerlund, whose visually driven uh, signature style often pushes the boundaries of the status quo. By the way, this is all copy and paste. Okay. Uh, production company is Scandinavian Content Group. Olofsson will be portrayed, uh, the criminal Olofsson will be portrayed by Bill Skarsgård, who is best known for his terrorizing and iconic portrayal of Pennywise in the uh, Stephen King saga It. Later this year, he stars in the Netflix film The Devil All the Time and in the Sundance hit Nine Days for Sony Pictures Classic. Uh, blah, 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 blah. All right, so this is what the story is based on. Based on the truth and lies of Olofsson's um, biography, the Swedish language series will feature Clark's early years until present day. The notorious gangster started his criminal career in the 1960s and became one of the most controversial personalities in contemporary Swedish history. Convicted of several counts of drug trafficking, attempted murder, assault, theft, and dozens of bank robberies, he has spent more than half his life behind bars and has left behind a trail of trauma, heartbreak, disappointment, and general devastation. In 1970s, Clark gave rise to the idea of the Stockholm Syndrome during a failed bank bank robbery in Stockholm, and has ever since kept his position as a celebrity criminal fooling all of Sweden to fall in love with him just like he desired. So the reason this is the most Swedish thing ever is because, number one, Mikkel Ackerfeld's scoring the thing. Mm-hmm. He's doing the music. It's about a Swedish criminal. Bill Skarsgård is Swedish. And, of course, uh, Jonas Ackerlund is the former drummer of Bathory, a Swedish extreme metal band. Jonas Ackerlund is also the director of Lords of Chaos, the movie. Mm-hmm. He's directed a bunch of uh, music videos for the likes of Madonna, uh, Ramstein, to just to name a few. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's all over the place. So this is just the, the most Swedish thing ever. Yeah. Sounds interesting, though. Uh, yeah, I'm totally in for it. I'm also interested in hearing it because it's a Swedish language show. Mm. So it's going to be in Swedish. Mm. So, so that's going to be really interesting, I think. Interesting. Interesting. All right, last but not least here. 
Corey Taylor will be part of the In Search of Tomorrow documentary, currently being funded on Kickstarter, billed as the, quote, the most comprehensive retrospective of the 80s sci-fi movie genre ever made. It will offer viewers a chance to immerse yourself in the world and mythos of 80s science fiction. It's about science fiction movies? Yeah. Interesting. Like, he's he's going to be a fanboy on it, pretty much. Oh, okay. I was, I was going to say, I was just like, is there a like, particular direction they're going to take with it? It's, probably, it's just probably, when they do these kind of documentaries, it's like how the, how these um, movies have influenced people's lives and stuff like that. So he's probably just going to be like a you know a fanboy. Okay. Cool. It is super cool. Yeah. Sounds super I think cool. one of my favorite... 80s sci-fi movies ever was War Games. Remember uh, that one? That was that was the the the, the what's what's the, what's the kid's name? Matthew Broderick. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, before yeah. Ferris Bueller, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I love that fucking movie. And it's always like it, it doesn't he like like trick the trick the army or the, like some sort of military branch? Yeah, yeah he hacks into a game called War Games, uh, and he starts it up, and it, it turns out to be a real life simulation of a nuclear war. And he accidentally starts like, or accidentally it begins to start like a nuclear war. Yeah, and the program can launch like uh, fucking uh, nuclear missiles and stuff like that. And then the the ending is just a a, a game of tic tac toe. Yeah, you know there is no winner kind of thing it was, it was really good yeah I haven't I, I remember I remember bits of the movie but I don't think I, I don't think I ever watched it in full yeah it was, it was very good it was very good so 80s but still really fucking good one of my favorites alright ready to continue yes not spreading the disease not spreading the disease not spreading the disease alright Journey has cancelled it's previously announced 2020 North America tour due to the coronavirus the 60-day trek with the Pretenders was supposed to kick off May 15th in Ridgefield, Washington. The organizers of the annual Bloodstock Open Air Festival has announced the cancellation of this year's event. The 2020 edition of the festival was scheduled to take place August 6th through 9th at Catton Park in uh, Derbyshire, with headline performances from Drew's Priest Behemoth and Devin Townsend. Damn, I would have seen that show just for that. Yeah. Hammerfall have been forced to cancel their previously announced summer and fall 2020 North American tour due to the coronavirus. Uh, the trek with the support from Black uh, Beast in Black and Edge of Paradise was scheduled to launch September 14th in West Palm Beach, Florida and conclude on October 19th in Maryland. Iron Maiden has scrapped all of its previously announced 2020 shows due to the coronavirus. That means they should just go into the studio and record. For fucking reels. I was thinking about it and I was like, man, you know, we had... We had Dance of Death in 2003, then we had uh, Matter of Life and Death 2006, Final Frontier 2010, and then Book of Souls 2015. I was like, the timeline's getting longer, guys. Yeah. You got to stop that shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Ramstein have canceled their 2020 European Stadium Tour. The track was due to kick off on May in Klagenfurt, Austria, mm-hmm. and conclude on August 4th in Denmark. So it's not looking good for you. Shut up. In September. I'm just saying. Shut up. I'm just saying. We got we got information from our, we were supposed to see a last more set next month, and they pushed the date back exactly one year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So instead of June 12th, 2020, it's June 12th, 2021. And then it's probably on a Saturday. 
It is on Saturday. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh, and wow. I'm fucking pumped. So I don't have to take a day <laughs> off because I'm totally all about seeing a last more set, damn it. I'm <laughs> fucking pumped. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Amorphous' previously announced summer, fall, North America tour with Entombed AD and Nervosa have been canceled due to the coronavirus. Uh, the 38-date trek, which was to celebrate the band's legendary 1994 release, Tales from the Thousand Lakes, was scheduled to launch on September 11th with three shows at the Kingsland in Brooklyn before making stops in Worcester, West Hollywood, and Atlanta, and concluding in Hartford on the web- at the Webster Theater on October 26th. Guns N' Roses have been forced to cancel their previously announced spring and summer tour, European tour. The trek was scheduled to kick off on May 20th in Lisbon, Portugal, and hit approximately a dozen European cities uh, before concluding on June 27th in Dublin. Mayhem Festival has postponed its return until 2021 on Sunday, last Sunday. The festival's official Instagram was updated with the following message. As we're sure you've guessed, due to the pandemic, we have to sit this summer out. But 2021, we plan on being back in full swing at 25% capacity. Anyway, this year's Reading and Leeds festivals have been canceled due to coronavirus. Raised Against the Machine was among the artists scheduled to headline the 2020 editions of Reading and Leeds, which take place annually on the August bank holiday weekend and attract around 100,000 music fans each year. Other festivals unite kingdoms such as Glastonbury, Bloodstock, Open Air, and Download have also been called off. Mm-hmm. Kiss Cruise 10, which was scheduled to take place August 30th to November 4th, 2020, aboard Norwegian Pearl, has been officially postponed to October 2021. That's, that's if any cruise line is running by then. For fucking real. Cause... And last but not least, Slipknot has canceled all of its previously announced summer 2020 tour dates, including the not- Fest Roadshow, Not Fest UK, Not Fest at Sea, due to the coronavirus pandemic. I would like to add a little bit of news to this, this section right here. I woke up this morning to a, an email saying that my shred check um, mask is ready for shipping. Oh, mine comes at the beginning of June, too. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes. You, you, I assume that you're the other person who ordered one. Cause it yes, says I ordered two. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered two. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, 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 I'm not about to go make one. I'm not that, I'm not that crafty. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, the ones that they give me at work are just shitty. Yeah. You know, the, the, the typical medical ones. Yeah. And they just, they just bother me. Mm. And I have to re, I can't, like, I can reuse them for so much, but then once they get dirty, they're fucking just, they can't, you have to throw them away. Yeah. So I'd much rather have a reusable one. Yeah. With our logo on it. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be, that's going to be cool. Come, comes, uh, probably in a, less than a week or so. Just in time for the second wave. Yep. Just <laughs> in time for the second wave. Yeah. Cause, uh, here in Texas, we've we've opened things up, and uh, we, I don't know if you've seen any numbers, but uh, they're going up again. Well, well, every fucking day. Well, yesterday, yesterday was apparently the highest highest rate of of uh, contracted cases um, since everything started, and that's after the reopen. Yeah, so. and they're opening gyms <laughs> up again on Monday. Twenty five percent capacity, so people are going to be lined up to go to fucking Planet Fitness. Mm. You know, the the. The dumbbell section. You can't socially distance in these places. Yeah, stupid. And and, and the amount of the amount of sweat. And oh, there's everything. Everything about a gym is disgusting. Yeah, everything. Oh yeah. The, even the cleanest gym is disgusting. Yeah. 
Ugh, that's fucking stupid. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta not be a a germaphobe to, to to go to a gym. So it's fucking terrible. But but so what, what can you what can you do? Oh wait, you can stay the fuck home. <laughs> Wear a goddamn mask. Wash your hands. Yeah, and you know, go to go to Academy Sports, go to Dick's Sporting Goods, and buy some b- dumbbells. That's the thing, though. Everybody has. There's nothing left. There's virtually nothing left. Well. <laughs> well, cheers to that then. And then manufacturing companies are are, are closed down because I've been trying to I've been trying to look for something that I want to purchase, and the company that I want to purchase it from, their manufacturing comp, uh, facility is closed down. Yeah, and they're also in New York, so they hit their worst hit. So. Yeah, I'm actually surprised, like, that um, in in the midst of all this, like like Zazzle starts to sell the masks. I was like, I, I figure that those would be kind of hard to to get going at this point. Well, I mean, they're probably like manu. I mean, they probably get the masks themselves because Zazzle doesn't. They don't manufacture anything, right? So they get stuff. They put the, the logos that you quest on. And I, I guess so. Yeah. So they they probably have a someone they they deal with for like t-shirts and cloth materials and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just. I know that a lot of products are right now unavailable on the site, so. That's why we haven't really been, been pushing it much. But mm-hmm. I, as soon as I saw the masks, I was like, "Well, let's let's let, let's let's do this one thing." <laughs> All right, are you ready for some more? Yes. He's the one they call Doctor Feel. Not so good. Mm-hmm. Ryan Shook, a vocalist for Julian K and Edema, has announced that he's voluntarily entered a rehabilitation facility for depression and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. This next one is just funny queen their guitarist brian may says that he quote can't sleep or walk after ripping his gluteus maximus gluteus maximus muscle during a session of quote over enthusiastic gardening the 72 year old guitarist revealed his latest health setback in an instagram post explained that he had been overstretched and harassed by too many demands before injuring himself just imagining him like in the backyard with a hoe just trying to go after bugs just smashing hoes <laughs> I think the first thing that came to my mind was a line from Ratatouille who's like one can become too familiar with vegetables you know <laughs> it's like wow Brian what are you doing back there buddy <laughs> you know of course like all the you know he, he ripped his gluteus maximus like that those aren't the kind of shredded glutes I'm going for buddy <laughs> like Puns and jokes abound here. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we've we've been watching, uh, we've been rewatching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh god! And uh, I don't know if you if you I, I don't remember when you came into it because uh, I think I came in the like the middle of the first season. Okay, because um, there's there's an episode where uh, Boyle gets shot in the ass. Yes. Okay. Yes. And 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 <laughs> at the end of the episode, it's just it's just Jake making all these jokes about butts. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Right? <laughs> oh, my God. I ripped up my butt talks. <laughs> oh, man. I, obviously, I hope he gets well, but, I mean, dude, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, this isn't, this isn't like Dio cutting off his thumb in, in the middle of gardening. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean, like, this is this isn't this isn't X Pac shredding his anus while while doing the Bronco Buster. You know? <laughs> this is this is like 
you know, you're gardening. <laughs> what did you do? What I want to know what over enthusiastic gardening means. That's the that's the question. The fuck does that mean? I know. That just sounds. That just sounds really uh, frightening. Right. All right. Last but not least, here Ian Anderson, vocalist and flutist or flautist of um, Jethro Tull, has revealed that he's suffering from an incurable lung disease called COPID. Which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. COPD. COPD. Yeah. Uh, the Jethro Tull, this, uh, the Jethro Tull singer, discussed his condition on an um, episode of Dan Rather's The Big Interview, interview, which aired this past Wednesday on Access TV. That's probably going to limit a lot of what he can do in the future. Uh, that's the thing that he's, he said. That he said something that he said something along the lines in the view, he said something in the interview along the lines of my uh, my days are numbered, but. A lot of people took that to, to say that you know, his days on this earth are numbered. But he said, no, 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 no. My days as a singer are numbered. I'm fine. Like, he has, apparently there are, there are episodes with this disease mm-hmm. uh, where the, he can get an infection. So he hasn't had one for like over 15 months. Mm-hmm. Like, but it has limited and stuff that he can do uh, on stage yeah. vocally and stuff uh, like that. I was also worried about the whole flute part. Because well, yeah, for it, sure. Yeah, yeah it has, that's a lot of short, heavy breaths. Yeah. You know, especially the way he plays. He's a fucking machine. Oh, yeah. All right. That's it for the, the – he's the one that called Dr. Feel not so good. Are you ready for – I'm getting better. Okay. Think I'll go for a walk. <laughs> not you, Brian May. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nickelback drummer Daniel Adair, Adair uh, is recovering from a recent surgery for radial tunnel syndrome. I guess that's almost like carpal tunnel, radial tunnel. Uh, I would assume so. Uh, he has played with Nickelback for 15 years. He revealed the condition in which the radial nerve is pinched when passing through a tunnel near the elbow in a social media post. He talked about his condition on social media posts. He said this, there was something in his in his forearm specifically mm-hmm. that was causing a significant amount of pain. That's, that's That sucks when you're a drummer too. Maybe, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's it for people getting better. We have nothing for breaking the law. People are apparently behaving themselves for a little bit. Uh, well, metal people, but not other people. Have you have you seen all the shit about like people getting like attacked for for like the the mask thing? Oh God, my fucking God! It's so stupid. Yeah, like uh, I saw a video of somebody getting attacked in a Target. Like a, uh, an employee asks somebody to, you know, like, "Hey, you have to wear a mask," and they yeah. just get the shit kicked out of them. Yeah, it's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. So dumb. All right. Are you ready for some Metallica breaking shit? Uh, yeah. All right. Well, this one, I always, I just put Metallica news in this section now. I think we talked about that. And this one could have gone to um, the good that men and women do, but it's Metallica, so we threw it in the Metallica section. Yeah. In the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, which is sweeping the globe, Metallica has decided to host the All Within My Hands Month of Giving during the month of May. The band announced the initiative in a video message from drummer Lars Ulrich, which was posted on YouTube. Uh, he says, inspired by today's uh, hashtag Giving Tuesday Now, a new global date of giving in response to the global need caused by COVID-19, we're going to spotlight four organizations we're supporting throughout this crisis. Uh, each week this month, we will share with you what these organizations do and show you how you can chip in to help. We'll be continuing pro, uh, contributing proceeds from special weekly featured merchandise in the Metallica store and continuing to donate funds raised during the hashtag Metallica Mondays streaming concerts. 
According to Rolling Stone, among the charities that Metallica will support are Feeding America, which partners with food banks across the United States, Crew Nation, which is Live Nation's initiative to provide relief to touring and venue crews, the United States Bartenders Guild Foundation, which benefits bar workers and people in the service industries, and Direct Relief, which aims to support medical professionals and first responders across the United States. So there, there's, there's Metallica, uh, obviously doing more than than a lot of people. Than a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> looking, looking at you, rich people. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite thing is uh, people blasting like those big mega churches, and I, I, I love the ones that like you know the miracle cure people touch mm. the hand of God. Oh, you know? yeah. Like what? What? Are they, why are they not on the front lines curing people? Yeah. You know. Yeah. I fucking love that shit. You know, there's that one guy that's blowing the uh, blowing the disease away or some bullshit like that. I'm like, okay, you can. Okay. <laughs> All right, are you ready for your favorite section? Um, is it feuding? Feuding. No, it's right. feuding. It's feuding. No, it's feuding, right? All right. Well, anyway, apparently it's getting kind of nasty in the garden of sound. I, uh, you, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, Brian May is uh... in the garden of sound. I, I don't uh, sound I'm, garden. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to get into the details, but apparently there is a very big dispute between the the, the remaining members of Soundgarden and Vic, Vicky Cornell, mm-hmm. uh, Chris Cornell's widow, about uh, misappropriation of funds from a tribute concert to Chris Cornell, um, and also, of course, the recordings that we have talked about in the past, whether they can record, uh, release it as a Soundgarden record or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting nasty. Just nasty all around. Yeah. Uh, so there's, I think there's lawsuits, there's counter-lawsuits, it's just getting stupid. Yeah. So I'm sure once there's a resolution and there's something I can actually condense down to less than like three fucking pages, I can we can report on that. But it just sounds like things are just kind of... Yeah, it's, it's, getting, it's getting silly. Right now it's just mudslinging. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is. Yeah. All right, so next up here, we got the makers of Ghost. The handcrafted British ultra-premium vodka claims to have recently received a threatening legal letter from the representatives of the Swedish band Ghost over the sale of their product. Now, (laughs) Thank you, Lindsay. (laughs) It came up later. Um, That was just like the initial... The initial bit of news, then like a day or two later, another bit of follow-up, an update, if you will. Um, an attorney for Ghost leader, Tobias Forge, has released has responded to reports that uh, the makers of a handcrafted ultra-premium British vodka called Ghost are being sued by the Swedish occult rock band over the use of the name Ghost, the band. Um, the band Ghost has also marketed a gin using the group's name, which could conceivably have caused marketplace confusion. The Vodka Company, which launched in June 2015, claims that Forge and his representatives have known about their products since 2016. So, apparently, Ghost Issue is not the name Ghost being used. It's trademark because Ghost, the band, has a gin, and then there's Ghost, the vodka. So, there's they're claiming confusion uh, of product. Gotcha. So, that's what they're doing. I mean, how can you actually like copyright the name, a name ghost? It's simply just ghost. Yeah, you know. But um, speaking of of ghost, um, there were there there were two shirts recently that came out um, on. I forgot which site did it, but uh, it's one of those ones that that combines 
that combines uh, two things of pop culture. Yes, yes, love that shit. So um, one of them was um, Ghost, like the Ghost logo, and it was um, the Boo Ghosts from Mario Brothers. Nice, and nice. The, and the other one was um, the logo changed, but in the style of the Ghost logo, but it was for Ganon. Nice, and it was like the pig gan and like the big, the bit like the like the one that you see, kind of at the end of um, like um, like as the ominous figure in uh, Zelda Two when you die. Yeah, 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 like that. That's that, that, badass. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I want one of those shirts so badly. They're now so what badass. I'm thinking is, I want a shirt of Scooby Doo in the Papa Emeritus makeup, and it's called Gorsh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> the the, uh, the other shirt not not related to this. The, the, the other shirt that they had was um, it was a uh, it was a kind of an Uncle Sam thing, but it was Freddie Mercury. It says, "I want you to break free." Yes, <laughs> fuck yes, god damn it, that should be for Independence Day. God damn it, I want it now. I want it all. <sighs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, I fucking knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> Don't and stop me now. I will. I will just toss this at you. Go to hell. <laughs> oh come on! Just wait. Ten more reviews. You gotta fucking hate me. Yeah, be great. I we can't wait. Record that. So, all right. Okay. So we have nothing for alcoholic today. Okay. Ready for some merchandising? Merchandising. All right. So Iron Man have teamed up with the Brazilian brand WA Sport for three soccer shirt designs. Based around the covers of the Maiden albums Peace of Mind, Power Slave, and Fear of the Dark. Under the agreement, which only covers a Latin market, WA Sport will also produce football shorts, basketball jerseys, and shorts, cycling jerseys, UV protected jerseys, tracksuits, socks, caps, bags, and women's fitness leggings and tops. Yeah, that sounds cool. Right? Yeah. The, shirt, the jerseys look badass, too. They look kind of like the, uh, the, the Iron Maiden soccer jerseys that you had that... Um, Steve Harris was wearing in uh, Rock and Rio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still have that jersey too. It's badass. I like that one. Yeah. All right. Last one, at least here for some merchandising. Jeff Tate is selling a spreading the disease bandana during the COVID nineteen pandemic, named after the song on Queen's classic nineteen eighty eight album Operation Mindcrime. The two different uh, bandana designs can be purchased for seventeen dollars a piece from his official web store. So of course, there's the the spreading the disease bandana. Mm-hmm. And then there's the same exact bandana with a big circle with the X across it, so not spreading the disease. Very nice. <laughs> so we should get that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, but that's it for merchandising. Are you ready for some recording news? Uh, yes. So Neil Morse, Mike I Can Play That Portnoy, and Randy George have announced their return to the cover-to-cover series of albums with... Cover to cover, but the E's are replaced with threes. So these are just like their third cover album. Yeah. Um, the brand new third installment featuring their classic renditions of tracks by the likes of King Crimson, Jethro Tull, Jerry Rafferty, David Bowie, and more, including their cover of No Opportunity Necessary, No Experience Needed, featuring vocals from Yes singer John Davison. The album will be released on July 24th as CD, Gateful to LP and CD, and as a digital album. Now, the track listing for cover to cover. No opportunity necessary, no experience required by Yes. Hymn 43 by Jethro Tull, which is one of my favorite songs. Oh, yeah. Life on Mars by David Bowie. 
Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty. I Don't Come Easy by Ringo Starr. Baby Blue by Badfinger. One More Red Nightmare by King Crimson. Black Coffee in Bed by Squeeze. Tempted by Squeeze. Running Down a Dream by Tom Petty. And Let Love Rule by Lenny Kravitz. That's a random one out of the blue. Right? Yeah. But it's probably going to be fucking great. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's probably going to be really fucking good. Yeah. You know what's one of my new favorite things to hear and see every once in a while is uh, there's a, a super group to put together by someone called At The Movies. Mm-hmm. And it's literally just them recording like classic movie tracks. So the first one that they released was There's No Easy Way Out by the Rocky Four soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking great. Then they did St. Elmo's Fire, and most recently they did uh, Time of Your Life from uh, Dirty Dancing. And <laughs> the singer, the main male singer is Speed from fucking Soil Work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah, that's definitely worth it. I hope they record a whole fucking album, and I will buy the shit out of that. Yeah. Or, you know, Spotify it, whatever. Avatar have set Hunter Gatherer as a title of their new album due on August 7th via E1. Enciferum will release their new album, uh, Thalassic, on July 10th via Metal Blade Records. Onslaught will release their new album, Generation Antichrist, on August 7th via AFM Records, which is the long way to follow to 2013's 6. Sorry, yeah, 6. And it was mixed by Daniel. Bergstrand, who's worked with Behemoth and Flames and Meshuggah at Dugout Studios in Sweden. Generation Antichrist is the first Onslaught album to feature new vocalist David Garnett, who recently replaced longtime singer Cy Keeler. System of a Down frontman Serge Tankin has revealed to Spin in a new interview that new uh, okay that he'll be putting out a solo EP of rock songs later this year. He stated about the effort. Quote, originally I had these songs in mind for a system record if we were to end up doing a system record. But as we could not really see eye to eye on how to go forward with that, I decided to finish them off myself and release them as an EP. So if you want to know where a new system record lays, there you go. Yeah, there it is. I wonder if he's doing this as like a a shot in the dick to his other bands. Like, this is what you could have had. I mean, he's, he's... He's been fairly prolific. I was gonna say, I, I think like his solo stuff is actually really good too. So like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, if he lends his vocals to anything, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. All right, Misery Signals will make its long-awaited return in 2020 with the independent, self-funded release of its fourth album, Ultraviolet, on August 7th. The upcoming record marks their first full-length release in seven years and first with founding vocalist Jesse. Zaraska since their 2004 debut of Malice and the Magnum Heart. Mm. Behemoth will release a new EP, A Forest, on May 29th via Metal Blade Records. The EP's title track is a cover of the Cure Classic, and it features a guest appearance by Shining frontman Nicholas Carforth. Uh, the A Forest EP also includes a live version of the title track, as well as two previously unreleased Behemoth songs recorded during the I Loved You at Your Darkest album sessions. So that's going to be cool. Right on. Fate's Warnings. Fate's Warnings. Warning. Ray Adler. Well, it's... Oh, yeah. yeah b- belonging. Uh, yeah. Ray Alder. Alder. Uh, has completed recording vocals for the band's 13th studio album, the follow-up to 2016's Theories of Flight, 
is tentatively due before the end of the year via Metal Blade Records. Last but not least here, Relapse Records is continuing with its death non-analog on stage series with the fourth installment, Showcase Theater California, uh, July 14th, 1995. Uh, this uh, This particular show captures the band live during this symbolic tour at the Showcase Theater in Corona, California. It's a conspiracy. Yes, ironically, it's Corona, California. Conspiracy. All right. You ready for our next section? Uh, which which is our next section? Rewind. We play. Rebound. Remaster. Oh, uh, yeah. Remastered. Yeah. All right. And uh, what I wrote down here is Guar is releasing some shit. Read direct from article. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, it's better than copying and pasting. It's better than copy. All right, so uh, human scum. Times are tough. You've probably missed rent and emptied your bank accounts on toilet paper, frozen pizzas, and subscriptions to porn sites. Now that you are unemployed and destitute, your lords and masters guar have created something new to tempt you into wasting your meager stimulus check. 2020 marks the 30th anniversary of seminal, seminal guar album Scum Dogs of the Universe. 30 fucking years, who would have thought? In celebration of this monumentous occasion... Gore is pleased to announce a special 30th anniversary Scum Dogs in the Universe box set. The limited edition release of Scum Dogs in the Universe has been completely remixed, remastered, and perfected by Ronan Chris Murphy. Hear Gore's classic breakout album the way the Scum Dogs intended the listener to hear it. The 30th anniversary Scum Dog of the Universe box set includes never-before-released uh, versions of songs you love with lots of goodies and collectibles thrown in. This collection includes... Remixed and remastered album on two 180 gram white and red opaque vinyl discs, cassettes, cassettes, yeah, cassettes of demos and rarities, 48 page book of classic photos, gig posters, and more, a Guar illustrated vinyl slip mat, giant three foot by four foot subway poster on the of the album cover image, collectible reproduction all access pass, eight by ten promo photo. Enclosed in a custom display box, MP3, Wave, and FLAC download of the remastered audio sticker pack, and a death certificate. Man, they really know how to make a good package. Yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds crazy. Yeah. Sounds absolutely crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good package. Yeah, and just look at this. Look look at all this shit. Uh, let me put my glasses on. Oh wow. Yeah, look at this box. It's that's crazy. That, that's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. I just I like the cassette portion of it. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> I actually I think I think I have the actual album, the original album on cassette. That's fucking great. That's fucking great. But yeah, so that's that's what's going on with those guys in Guar. Yeah. Remix. I like their uh, their their way of of kind of approaching everything that's going on, and yeah, it's like yeah. you spend your meager stimulus check yeah. on our shit. Uh, like it's a it's a it's a advertisement and also. Social commentary, yeah. <laughs> just like just you know what that's that's I think what they've always been about. Yeah, you know, Pretty like well. a very tongue-in-cheek social commentary. Yeah, it just makes you wonder what uh, orders or wrongers would think of everything going on right now. Yeah, and it's, you know, speaking of that, you know, I was I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, man, really wish George Carlin was alive. Oh my god, yeah, that would be that'd be a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, go on. All right. We ready for some of the good that men and women do? Yes. All right. So California glam metal jocksters—I love that fucking term. Uh, Steel Panther have partnered with Los Angeles-based animal rescue Heavenly Pets 
to set up the Steel Panther all-day kitty cam. The cam will broadcast kittens from the shelter that are available for adoption as well as accept donations to help the rescue with costs attained from the increase in abandoned pets due to the coronavirus pandemic. This isn't the first time Steel Panther has supported animal rescues. On its tour last year, the band invited local animal rescues in each market to come out and collect donations at their shows as part of their Gods of Pussy animal rescue uh, activation. Kitty Cam is an extension of that idea as all immediate touring plans have been placed on hold due to the coronavirus outbreak. The streams of the camera will be hosted on the band's website and is available uh, below. There's again copy and paste. So, As much as I like that and, and you know, animal rescue and everything like that, don't forget about the older animals. Mm. I, I say this as, I, as I'm fostering As a, you're fostering an elderly pet. Yeah, as I'm fostering an eight-year-old cat who, who just loves me. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, I've had her I've had her for now for almost six months. And yeah, you keep like, saying fostering. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's, it's like I'm slowly approaching that point. <laughs> you, you keep saying that. I, I, I keep trying to convince Lindsay. <laughs> what Dan really means is that he has a third cat. <laughs> and I might as well because she sleeps with me and everything. So, yeah, I love my cat. So. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Pantera's recently released limited edition social distancing T-shirt has raised approximately one hundred thousand dollars. Damn. For the Music Cares COVID nineteen relief fund, forty percent of the net proceeds generated from the purchase of the shirt, which takes the classic image from Pantera's vocal display of Power album and adds personal protective equipment. To the artwork, as well as the walk song lyrics, Be Yourself, Buy Yourself, Stay Away From Me, are being donated to the fund, which was uh, started with two $1 million donations from the charitable foundation Music Cares itself, as well as its affiliate, The Recording Academy. Shirts still available? I'm not sure. Okay. I'm sure they are. I'm going to check. Cause I, might, I mean, because that, that, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I realized recently that I, I don't really have a Pantera shirt. Actually, I do. Never mind. I do have a Pantera shirt, but I that, think I that have is one. And that, although that is kind of a, um, it's kind of like ultimately it's an esoteric T-shirt. It's it'd be, still be cool to have. Yeah. Hailstorm has announced the hashtag Roadie Strong support campaign aimed at providing essential financial assistance to road crews all over the world who make it who make live music possible. Under the newly launched initiative, fans can purchase a Roadie Strong merchandise and make donations with all proceeds going to Live Nation's Crew Nation, a global relief for live music crews. And last but not least here, last month, Slipknot and Stone Sour frontman Corey Taylor took part in a special guitar auction with eBay for charity to benefit direct relief and support of their COVID-19 response efforts. The auction ran through, May, through Thursday, May 7th, and attracted nearly 800 bids, raising $75,000 which was then matched by eBay for charity, bringing the total to $150,000. Mm-hmm. So good on Taylor. Right on. All right. That's it for the good that men and women do. Are you ready for some crowdfunding? Uh, yes. All right. So a GoFundMe campaign has been launched to save the legendary Los Angeles venue, The Troubadour. Really? Yes. Okay. After the no- after the coronavirus pandemic shut down live music for nearly two months with no sign that music venues will reopen anytime soon, the storied 500 capacity, uh, where artists such as uh, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Slayer, and Metallica played earlier in their careers, is raising money to stay to keep the night spot viable. To date, the Troubadour 
Employee Relief Fund, which has which was started on April 2nd, has raised more than 48000 of its $50,000 goal. At press time, as we record this, the donation has been shut down because they've surpassed their 50000 goal by reaching $73,588. So they have shut it down. They are accepting. They are not accepting any more donations. Really? Yep. So, so they, wh- where did they stop again? Six seventy-three thousand five hundred eighty-eight dollars. Okay, so so they, they they're not taking more. They're not taking any more. Okay. Um, did, did you see the one for uh, for St. Vitus Bar? No. Oh yes, I think I heard about that. Yeah, yes. they they way surpassed their their goal. Um, I, I we haven't mentioned that one in the past, but like they have a Kickstarter, and um. They're doing the same thing, same thing, same reason, and they are like six hundred percent past their goal. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just reading an update from the organizer of the um, of the crowdfund of the GoFundMe here, and she wrote down: "We at the Troubadour are unbelievably touched and humbled by the outpouring of support we have received. All of your kind words and generous contributions are deeply appreciated. The Troubadour is a second home to many, and reading about the role it has played in your lives has been heartwarming." You, our community, is what makes every show special. Without you, um, we are just an empty room. 100% of your donations will go towards supporting the whole Troubadour staff and to the ongoing financial obligations of the venue. This includes insurance, office rent, property tax, payroll tax, and utilities. They are immensely grateful. Again, there's no end in sight for this, though, as far as live performances go. So who knows what the fuck's going to happen. All right, so that's it for crowdfunding. Uh, the one, the other one that we talked about last time was the um, the the site thing for um, ventilated patients or incapacitated patients who can't speak. Yes. Uh, for the hospitals, uh, they have a fifty thousand dollar goal. They've only raised five thousand four hundred seventy-seven. Mm. So that's a little that's a little rough. But that's okay. That's a tough one. All right. You ready to move on? Yes. Do you have a? Do you want anything? No, I I haven't. I I've I've just been more. I've just been um, working on you know, getting my getting my CDs, and I've, I've actually kind of turned my direction to my my thoughts towards um, picking up T-shirts of bands that like I don't have T-shirts from. Uh huh. So I, I finally got like, like, like an Apalm Death T-shirt, uh-huh. um, but I'm trying to look look for bands that are like on the on the the bands that I haven't seen live that I haven't had a chance to buy a T-shirt from. Uh-huh. I'm trying to find them for a good price. Um, so yeah, I'm in the same. I I I feel the same. I finally got an Opeth T-shirt. I yeah. never had an Opeth T-shirt, and I got a fucking Opeth hoodie, which is like I haven't bought myself a hoodie in forever. Yeah, and I love. That fucking hoodie. It's yeah. so fucking cool. Yeah. Fucking love that hoodie. Yeah. So much. So I, I went, I, I've been trying to think of all the all the record labels that I can go through. I found a couple, um, but I was like, I need to be more into this band before I really get into their get uh, more of their merchandise and whatnot. But yeah, you don't want to go to a show and be accused of being a poser. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like a lot, a lot of the shirts are cool. Um, one in particular is an obituary T-shirt. Um, and it's just, you know, obviously it's, 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 it's like a death metal cover. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. So I'm like, but I was like, I, I like obituary, but I feel like I'm not big enough of a fan yet to really go out and buy the shirt. So true. True. 
I got you. So, but um, but yeah, I was like, I need I needed the Napalm Death one because I'm I'm getting more into them. I I picked up a couple of their albums because they were available. So I was like, yeah, need that. All right, so we have nothing that we want. Are we ready for some concert news, as limited as it can be? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so of course there's no festival news because we already talked about the cancellations of things. Mm-hmm. So let's go into some touring, and we're going to use touring very, very lightly. Yeah. It's going to be a quote-unquote thing here. Because uh, Suicide Silence have announced a, quote, virtual world tour with unique sets, exclusive merchandise, and custom experiences in each market. Each show will feature a professionally filmed multi-camera live set along with an extensive post-performance question and answer session. Each market will have its ticket purchase uh, geo-gated within a reasonable radius so that only those in that general area can view its particular stream. Uh, fans will be able to participate in a live chat with each other and the band throughout the experience. All ticket purchases will have access to an exclusive merch collection that includes an official tour shirt specifically for their market, as well as a number of other items that will never be sold elsewhere. The stream performances will go on sale several weeks or months in advance, whereas fans will be able to communicate their setless pre- preferences and make other special requests leading up to the show. Several dates are being finalized with Los Angeles and New York expected to kick things off sometime in June. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this. Like, this, this, I mean... It kind of sucks that not everybody can see certain shows and everything like that, but that still sounds pretty cool. Yeah, so. I mean, it may, it, it's probably going to be the closest thing we're going to get to a, a tour that you that we're going to get for a little while. Yeah. You know, unfortunately. Because yeah. I, I think I read somewhere that Arkansas was planning on uh, holding its first concert last week. Mm-hmm. They were going to play, they were going to do a concert, they were going to be social distance, they are going to put new regulations in place, and almost immediately it was shut down. Yeah, like even before the show even took place, like probably a few days before it took place, like this, no, this is just not going to happen. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, like when you think about it, like you know, you're going if you're going to try and have a concert, and you expect people to do social, how do you expect that to go? Mm-hmm. What are you going to put little fucking stickers or like you stand here, you stand there? That's not going to fucking work. No, you know, people are going to do what they want to fucking do. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's as clearly as as you can see out there right now, the people are going to do what they want to fucking do. Yep. So, I mean, if you really want to, yeah, to eliminate some of the stupid factor, you have to cut out some of the things that make people stupid. Yeah. Which, which is hard. Yeah. It's very, very difficult because it's like, it's like, it's like, uh, what's that, what's that phrase? Um, yeah, that, that mentality of having to build a better mousetrap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, like, like stupid people will find a way to be stupid. Yeah. You, <laughs> you, you, can't. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Like this is what you have to do to stay healthy, but we can't make you do it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, pretty much. That's 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 what it's that's what it's coming down as. All right. So last week, as LA Dying announced that its May uh, June twenty twenty Burn to Emerge U.S. tour will be rescheduled due to the, co- uh, the pandemic. The new dates will take place in February and March of twenty twenty one, maybe, and we'll keep the same lineup with Whitechapel and Shadow of Intent. Tickets purchased for the cancel tour will be honored and at the rescheduled dates. There is a San Antonio date here, February 23rd, at the Aztec. Mm. And Judas Priest has announced the rescheduled dates for its 50 Heavy Metal Years European tour. The trek, which was originally set to take place this spring and summer, has been postponed until 2021 due to coronavirus pandemic sweeping the globe. <laughs> which is great, because it's going to be like, it's 51 years. <laughs> <laughs> 50-ish. 50-ish years. 
Uh, and I do have one for one off here. Okay. Uh, Clutch will perform a stream concert titled Live from the Doom Saloon, Volume 1, on May 27th. They will be supported remotely by Crowbar, Blacktop Mojo, and Saul. This unique online concert format has been produced in conjunction with Sound Talent Group and Live from Events. And will use cutting-edge streaming technology to close the distance between the bands and the fans for an amazing virtual concert experience. No other details are provided at the time. I am not subjecting us to heavy metal in the charts. Okay. I will we're good, we're going good. forward. I think I will try to scroll through it before the podcast and have information based on that. Yep. I just did not get a chance to or remember to do it this week. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not terribly worried about that. I'm going to assume Queen's number one. More than likely. Okay. More than likely. So. I mean, that's all we're going to. That's the only information we're going to be able to find out from the Hard Rock fucking thing anyway. So. Yeah. So. Um, so. Discussion point. Yes. Let's do it. This is what I was thinking about yesterday because I was listening to the Anthrax album and I started talking about the John Bush era. Uh-huh. Okay. So we know the big four of Thrash are considered to be Anthrax, Slayer, Metallica, and Megadeth. Yep. Now we all know as well that in, in around the time of the 90s, they all changed sound. Um, they all went in different directions, and they kind of like separated themselves a little bit from thrash. We know that like Slayer at least slowed down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they slowed their tempo down a little bit, got sl- a little bit darker. Got a little, yeah, they they slowed their tempo down. Anthrax kind of got a little bit less. They were less thrashy, but still you know pretty heavy. Uh huh. Um, and they had a different singer um, that was a little that wasn't as you know as operatic. Yeah. Um, both Metallica and Megadeth um, changed up their their style and went a little bit more contemporary mainstream with it. Uh-huh. Now, my thought was, who who did it best? Who did it best? Yeah, and like, 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 like let's rate it as far as like you know who who you know. So, what are our parameters here as far as like? Um, make it up as you go along, pretty okay. much, because I, I don't right. have I, I didn't come up with any sort of particular parameters. But like in in your opinion, like wait, where where do you view how they how they did it? Like look into everything as far as how they how they they stood commercially, how they did musically, um, you know how how um, how fans responded to it, um, and, and and things like that. Well, I'll, I'll probably start off and say that I think Slayer did it the worst. Mm-hmm. I think they alienated uh, their fans by trying to stay true to their sound, but also slowing things down. Like I think the album in particular that we're talking about um, is Diabolos and Musica. I think that was the one that they felt was like their worst. I think that, it was, the that one was that also came that was also a later one. Yeah. I, I, I figured, Which one do you think? Oh, um, I'm thinking South, South of Heaven. Heaven. South, South of Heaven. Heaven. South of Heaven to Seasons in the Abyss, and then maybe Divine Intervention. Um, yeah, because that, 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 again, it still had the classic Slayer like sound, but it didn't have the ferocity. Yeah. Um, and I think that alienated some fans, because like, it felt like they were trying something different, but not at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're just, they're, their particular style of thrash did not allow for a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. Whereas in like a band like Metallica and and uh, Megadeth had a little bit more wiggle room because they added stuff like ballads like Faith of Black and yeah. stuff like that to their to their to their sound repertoire, 
again, which which gave him a little bit a little bit more range. Yeah. Slayer really boxed themselves in yeah. to thrash and a particular social commentary and a particular lyrical style that that anything outside of that box was just was just death yeah. to them. So I think they did it the worst. And I mean, and again, like uh, the, the albums are good. Yeah, I don't have any problems with South of Heaven or like I think my introduction to uh, to Slayer was Divine Intervention. Yeah, um, but the like the albums are are still are still good comparatively, and and they and they I, I like them, but like you like you said, they did kind of box themselves in, um, especially in those first few albums because like it was it was a matter of it was basically like early thrash. Like, especially in America, was a matter of like who can be the fucking fastest, who can be the heaviest, who can be the loudest, who can be the most like like spooky scares. Yeah, the smoke, uh, the most up in your face, the most like there's like with thrash there was the very punk attitude behind thrash. Yeah, but with talent and technicality and you know and like speed. Yeah, like while well, there's like punk was more of an attitude and and social commentary, thrash this up that. And put it on fucking, literally put it on speed. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so so um, I think, like I said, I think Slayer did the worst because they really had boxed themselves in, and like I said, anything outside of that box was just was just not not their realm yeah. of of musical fucking prowess. Had they had they previously done tracks where they did slow things down, I feel like they would have been. They would have those those albums in particular, South of Heaven, Seasons in the Abyss, as as well received as they may be at this point with fans. Uh, I feel like they would have been more well received because you've, you're you're like you're expecting something a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But but I, with Slayer in particular, you know, it's like Slayer doesn't change their sound very much. They're not they're not very um, they're not they're not. A, they're not dynamic at all. Yeah, so it's like okay, you know, it's it's just a quick change, and you guys eventually went back to doing exactly what you did before, in the same way. It's kind of you know, kind of yeah, I mean, kind of by the numbers. Even with the Metallica records, like when you get past Kill 'Em All, you know, Kill 'Em All is pretty much a straight out thrash record. But when you start getting into like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, there's a lot more dynamic changes. There's again more wiggle room. They had the the ballads of like Fade to Black and Sanitarium. You had the middle sections of like with of Master of Puppets, which was it was pure pure ferocity up until like minute four. Mm-hmm. Then it calmed down, and they had that nice quiet section, and then it went back. Yeah. There was a, up and down. There was changes in flow, like but Slayer was always just straightforward. Like they could not get past that. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 one who did the the next worst, I think, would be Megadeth, because I think they started making their changes a little too late. Uh, I'm specifically talking about Cryptic Writings. I felt when I first listened to Cryptic Writings, I thought that was Megadeth trying to make their Black album because mm-hmm. there was very there was a lot of similarities in sound, even like stro- song structure and 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 title and um and track like placement all felt very strongly towards the Black album. Mm-hmm. Um, the opening track, Trust, had a very similar guitar riff to, like, Enter Sandman. They had a song that had a sitar intro just like Wherever I May Roam. Everything about that felt like they were trying to play catch-up. Mm-hmm. But you also remember that they they started changing their sound pretty much as of Countdown to Extinction. Right. Right. But the thing is, Countdown to Extinction was still very good. Yeah. 
like again, I think Cryptic Writings, which was was that the follow up or the, no? It's like it, no, was, it, it uh, was Countdown, Countdown was to, Euthanasia. Yeah, and then, but I think by the time Cryptic Writing Cryptic Writings came out, again they were still playing catch up to Metallica. Mm-hmm. That's what it felt like, and they were they were trying to record their Black album. Yeah, and I think in, in that particular period of time, that was the that was the worst that they could have done. Yeah, I mean I love the Cryptic, Cryptic Writings record, um, but it still felt. Almost like a carbon copy, mm-hmm. you know. Um, as far as Megadeth goes, I mean, I have I, like the albums. The albums that people have like a lot of hate for, I do enjoy a lot. Um, people people hate Risk, but I, I enjoy the album. Uh-huh. Um, but it is, it's definitely, it's definitely a hard pill to swallow. For for sure, mm-hmm. as with cryptic, cryptic writings, I love Euthanasia. Well, Euthanasia um, was fucking great. Yeah, and, uh, and I love uh, I love Countdown and Euthanasia and everything. But the changes that they made on those albums, in particular, um, you know, at least we, at least with with Megadeth and Metallica, in particular, they were they were both kind of dynamic early on that they could allude to potential changes in their sound. Uh-huh. And you know that's why that's why Countdown and Black Album are kind of on a on a similar level here uh, because of the fact that Countdown, uh, you know, it, it, cryptic writings you said is kind of their attempt at being um, the Black Album, uh-huh. whereas Countdown technically is their Black Album. True. Yes. Um, but we were more prepared for the changes that were to come. Um, and they still, they're still heavy. It's still the same kind of. It's still the same kind of route as as Metallica went. But um, with with Megadeth in particular, I feel like as of Cryptic Writings, to the system has failed, which was considered to be kind of like their, their cr- comeback their comeback record. I felt like it was a little bit more phoning it in. Yeah. Um, it it. it it, the songs were still good. They were still a little melodic and everything, but it's, it felt like a little bit of the passion was lost. Yeah. Um, now I could be completely wrong, and um, this could be that could have been Dave's most you know enthusiastic at, at, at certain points. I have to rewatch the Euthanasia uh, documentary, but I feel like. like especially on the System Is Fail, where they said that they were like they, they like people called it the return i was like this sounds this entire record sounds really phoned in uh-huh. i like the record but it sounds really phoned in risk was exactly what it sounds like a risk um they tried a thing and it and ultimately that failed uh-huh. i will say i will say that with no with with no uncertainty it, it, it was it was a it was their turbo yeah it was it was them trying something and that and that failed miserably um and I feel like the prelude to that was cryptic writings. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a good thing going as far as countdown and euthanasia goes. Yeah. So they just kind of they kind of started to to drop the ball a little bit for whatever reason I don't understand. Um, so they had it, they had it started pretty well. Like we knew like you know we were on a good route, and then it's like okay, what's what's happening here? Where where are you going with this? Uh-huh. So, so I would say that 
I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put Megadeth at that spot. Well, we'll, we'll revisit that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but so you're, you're doing Slayer and then you're doing Megadeth. Who's your number two? Uh, Anthrax. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is, um, you kind of saw it coming mm-hmm. with Anthrax, um, because of their, their already previous, uh, um, collaborations with like say public enemy like you there, there was definitely a sound change something was coming yeah um so when you got into the john bush era they got more of like a, i would say a grungier sound yeah i think it was them attempt not attempting but them really accepting the changes in the music scene mm-hmm. embracing it and attacking it full force instead of trying to fight against it well what i what i what i noticed from listening to the albums um is um they started off very thrashy. They kind of added a little bit more fun to it. You know, they were always kind of the, the, the fun side of like of the thrash. "I am the man" thing. Like, yeah, I'm I'm the man, or um, um, doing doing bring the noise. Which, yeah, which yeah. bring the noise was still thrashy as fuck. Yeah, uh, but but being open to change like that. Yeah, you know, they 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 explored that a little bit earlier on, um, and explored that a little bit more. Um, to to an obvious extent, Metallica and then Megadeth adding ballads um, was was a change, but it was something that it was you know it wasn't. Um, I, I feel like it wasn't as much of a of a stretch um, as as Anthrax threw out there. Like they like they, they just seemed to like to throw curveballs. Yeah, I, I think um, the ballads for like. Meg, Metallica and Megadeth adds to the moodiness of like the thrash guy like you know I'm pissed off and then I'm really sad I'm pissed off and I'm really sad no one associates them with just thrash metal with having fun and Anthrax was a fun fucking band yeah and they are a fun fucking band they're a bunch of they're a bunch of dudes having a good fucking time yeah they're not moody well they probably can't be but you know you know what I mean yeah they're, they're having they're out there having a fucking blast yeah you know they're not trying to make so, they're not always trying to make social commentary like Slayer does. They're not trying to present like moods of depression and and anger like fucking Metallica and Megadeth. They're just out there to have fucking fun. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's I think that's where they they strived and that's why they were able to change with such ease. And, and also with them, if you listen to Persist- Persistence of Time, which was the last one they did with Belladonna, you can hear the progression or the change of sound already. Mm-hmm. They already started to to stray away from the thrash side of things. Now, now some songs are still thrashy, of course, and some songs continue to be thrashy thereafter. But, um, but with that album in particular, you can hear like there are some songs that I can hear definitely like like this is almost written for John Bush. Uh-huh, uh-huh. It's, it's almost it's it's almost uncanny that I can hear John Bush singing some of these tracks. You know, and and then they bring him in for Sound of White Noise, which is you know really not much of a thrashy album whatsoever. It's it's hitting that like you said that, that grungier side. It's hitting they 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 remained they remained consistently heavy, but they gave up the thrash side. It, it kind of like I think again I think Anthrax was one of those bands that was able to embrace surrounding sounds like. Mm. You know, we talked about their grunge sound, but then when you go with them a little bit later on, and they start picking up a little bit of that groove metal sound from like you know the Lamb of God and like the new wave of Brit- of a 
of, of American heavy metal, like on our latter on our latter releases, which are very thrashy still, but also very groovy. Mm-hmm. So again, I think they they're just very good at um, I want to say assimilating, but like just incorporating what's popular at the time, but making it their own. Yeah, like not going out and making a Lamb of God record as Anthrax, but making a record that's Anthrax that can fit in with a Lamb of God record. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were very successful at that, yeah. which is why I think they were still able to, they were still able to kick around. And even when Joey Belladonna came back, they weren't expected to go back to that original sound with Joey Belladonna. It was Joey Belladonna coming back to Anthrax with their sound now. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think that's what made them. That's why they're the second most successful ones with, at changing a sound because Megadeth had to go back to a sound that people loved. Yeah. Slayer has to stay in a sound that people love. Joey Balladonna coming back as the classic singer had to adapt to what their band sounded like now. Mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. I disagree with that point. Okay. I disagree with that because of the fact, like I said, that with persistence of time, you already noted the changes in their sound. Okay. Um, because of the fact that you know, like they already started to slow things down, they already started to have that style, that that kind of that kind of as you said, grungier style. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to say it was grungier, but it was still, you know, consistently heavy. They they became just kind of a a regular heavy metal band. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and with John Bush, the albums progressively just got heavier. Like they 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 really they really got rid of the thrash and they got heavier. Inside Out, as you mentioned, bef- the song you mentioned before, yeah. that is a heavy fucking track. Yeah. You know, and that's that's where they went with with a lot of uh, with vo- volume eight in particular. They went with kind of this mid tempo or uh, you know mid mid to kind of fast tempo yeah. heavy metal. Because yeah, because I'm thinking of only was one of my favorite Anthrax yeah. tracks. Yeah, only um, Package Rebellion, um, um, Perpetual Motion on Rastam Four Four Two. Um, you know, even even at the end of the, that album, they did a they did a slower track called Bear. Um, you know, they they um, they were they were doing the mix up and they were doing it well, and it was a steady steady progression that it didn't feel out of place every single time they released a new record. Um, to a point where you had the super heavy volume eight. Uh, record, and then they went. They came out with "We've Come for You All," which is kind of like where they hit the middle ground of of their sound. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, this is where we're comfortable. This is where we're consistent. We're gonna stay right here. Yeah. And that's where they've stayed, you know, since since then. They've they've, you know, they they they've never really sat there and completely issued their 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 thrash roots. They still play the songs live. They brought back their singer from their thrash era. You know, and and he's managed to be able to adapt to both, which they were already kind of prepping him for back with persistence of time. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like I kind of feel that that Anthrax did it best. Okay, because of the fact that they they they, they did it in a slow progression, but they never really strayed from any particular path. It was always just you know Anthrax, right. So yeah, it's it's just I feel I feel like they did it they they as far as as getting you know fans ready for it um, it may not have been a com- commercially successful thing but as far as their their legacy goes I feel like they necessarily did it 
best. Um, and, you know, it's not like they had kind of a, a weak singer. They had a great fucking singer right. at both times. You know, they, 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 chose, they chose the best. So uh, I love I, I, I like jo- I like Joey Belladonna, but like I love John Bush's voice. Yeah, I got it. Like it's 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 you know it's strong. It is it can it can carry. Um, you know he he's he's a he's a belter basically. You know he can he can he can belt out in a raspier tone than Joey Belladonna. Although Joey Belladonna's voice has now you know kind of deepened and I, I love I love. Joey Belladonna's voice now. Yeah, I think it's fucking great. Yeah, I think he sounds stronger than ever, and I think his 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 tone of voice now matches the Anthrax sound better now. Yeah, than it did back then. I think I think it's just everything about Anthrax right now is going great. And I think that's why it works so well is because of the fact that his voice has changed over time. Yeah, and he and he like, you know. It's probably it, it's probably due to you know aging and whatnot that oh, he's, sure. he's had to change his style and everything like that, but it's something that they were already like I said prepping him for as far as persistence of time goes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so I'm I'm perfectly cool with that, um, and I think ultimately that they they did it best. So I that, I I particularly think that Metallica did it best. Okay. And and the only reason I say that is because that's what made them the biggest band out there. Um, commercially, um, and everything else that went with it, because they went from they went from and Justice for All like their angriest record into the Black Album, which e- they even admitted while they were recording that they needed to make things simpler, they needed to act, make things, um, you know, a little bit more crunchier, a little bit more sound wise, a little bit better. Uh, I know that they, they always had a criticism on their records, even even with Master Puppets, there was criticism of their sound. Mm-hmm. So they had to make things a little bit more polished. They had to make things a little bit simpler, a little bit more straightforward, a little bit he- like heavier, mm-hmm. like sounding. Um, although I think the only thing they did not do better was the preparation from Black Album to fucking Load. But I think the reason I, the reason I think they did it better is that a lot of people now, in retrospect, almost twenty five years later, look back and say, you know what, Load was actually a really good record. Like these are the people who like when that came out were always like no they fucking suck they sold out but twenty five years later these are the same people who say you know what Load was a really good record and I think that speaks a lot for for Metallica's legacy because they were able to take such a risk at such a a one eighty almost and in retrospect people would be like you know what that was a good decision mm-hmm. um, and the thing is they became an even bigger band because of that and and you can say sold out whatever is but the thing is. They wrote music that they wanted to. They took risks. They've always been a risk taker as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And to turn around and make it actually successful, I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. You know, I think is they took the they of all the bands, they took the biggest risks because they completely like, almost completely not just changed their sound, but they changed their image, they changed just about everything, but they were able to make it work. Even the people who fucking hated it still fucking go to their shows. Yeah. They still, they, they can say they hate these songs all they want to your face, but you know, in the fucking shower at 9 o'clock in the morning, they're singing those fucking songs. Mm-hmm. You know this. Because they can't, they can't get it out of their heads. They write good fucking songs. And I think Load, the, what, the, what made Load better, like, good for that time is that it wasn't just the sound that you're looking for. You're looking for songs. The structure of the song, the songs themselves were really fucking good. They sounded great. Yeah. You know, 
And I'm, the thing is, I've always been a fan of Lowen. Always, always, always. But the thing is, again, now, later on, those fans who hated it in 1996 fucking love it in 2020. They look back on it and they remember it. They just, they, this, 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 this nostalgia feel for it. And they, they realize that, yes, this was a good fucking record. Just because at the time it wasn't a metal, they don't think it was a metallic record doesn't mean it wasn't a good fucking record. I feel that with Metallica in particular, um, commercially, you know, what they did was was right. Um, again, with the style, the, the stylistic change, the image change, and everything like that, you can't stay the same. At, you know, can't, can't stay the same forever. Um, as far as musically. I mean, it was it was definitely a huge risk um, doing doing load and reload, and no matter what, Metallica was going to be a polarizing band. You're 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 saying that there's there's people now that that sit there and look back on the album and do love it, and yes, there there certainly are, but there are also people who still vehemently hate it. Yeah, and then there's always going to be a, a vehement hate for anything related to Metallica beyond a certain point, depending on their. You know, you know, some people, some people have sat there and said that Metallica's only ever released one good album. Yeah, I haven't listened to anything since they released Kill 'Em All. But I think that has to do with. I don't think that has anything to do with the actual music. That just has to do with the the popularity of the band. Those are those metal elitists who like anything that's more popular than like playing like twenty to, to twenty people in a fucking crowd. That's selling out. Yeah. You know, so there anything like even just outside of metal music, like just fandoms in general tend to ruin the thing that they're fans of. Star Wars people are horrible fucking people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are horrible fucking people. I think I you think know? what what I what I would give Metallica credit for being being the the most commercially successful metal band ever basically um, is is kind of encouraging the open-mindedness of an audience uh-huh. as far as their sound goes, as far as their image goes, as far as what they do, what they say, all that kind of stuff. I, it has, it, it comes down to encouraging the open-mindedness because of the fact that their sound has kind of changed. Like since, like since day one, their sound has, you know, slowly just changed from one album to the next. Like they're, 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 I will say that each album is fairly unique. I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's got its own little quirks and whatnot, and and you may you may love it for certain reasons, you may hate it for certain reasons. You know, you you may not you may have a deep seated love and think that Master Puppets is the greatest album of all time, but you also got to sit there and say, mm, well, there's also this. Unfortunately, there's also this. Unfortunately, you know, you you you're able with them because of the fact that they were always. Um, such a dynamic band they've their um their change i feel was a little bit more um was more expected kind of in the same vein of, of anthrax but it just wasn't well received yeah it was it was also a little bit more drastic yeah and i feel like in a, in that sense, in a in a in a sense of music, yes, yeah, they've always done what they want to do. But in the sense of music, you had the world in your hand at the Black Album, 
and then you went, mm, let's try something different, and 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 it was. I think I think it was a bit too much to swallow right away. Yes, in retrospect, a lot of folks love it, but it was a bit too much to swallow right away. So I think that you know it was for for the sake of for the sake of the band themselves. I think it was a little bit too much too too quickly. So, uh, do you think? That between 1991 when the Black Album came out and like 1996 where Re- where Load came out, if there was an album in say like 1993 mm-hmm. or 1994 where there was something in between those two, like something between the Black Album sound and something between the Load sound, that if they did something in between them to kind of bridge the gap, that that progression would be accepted a little bit easier. Probably yes. I feel like that that would have that would have been the case because like. Through and through, Load is a completely different album. Oh, for sure. From 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 anything, and like I said, all their albums tend to be pretty unique. But I feel like there should have been something a little bit more preparatory for for them. Uh-huh. But but again, I love I love the record, you know, and I've loved the record since I've had it. I love Reload um, for reasons. <laughs> But, There's a know, few good tracks in that one. Yeah, I mean. no, I, I I like it. I like it from start to finish. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of it. It, it was it's one of those albums that I I grew up listening to. Yeah, I, I mean, it came out when I was twelve. I was so. gonna say, well, in 1996, I mean, yeah, I think I think the reason I got the la- the earlier uh, Metallica records is it was after I got lowered because I. I got the hundred dollars for getting the hundred dollars, the hundred on that one particular test. I bought all the Metallica records that there were at the time. Shit, I bought them all. I spent my entire hundred bucks at, at, at Nobody Beats the Wiz yeah. on Metallica records. <laughs> I'm surprised you you didn't catch your own pun. <laughs> <laughs> bought them all. Bought them all. I did. I did. I bought them all. And you know, and the only like, it's pretty much it was from like. Because I, I already had the Black Album. It was Load and everything before the Black Album. That's what I bought. Yeah. You know? And ever since then, I've been a fan of that particular record. Because, yeah. like, I was still coming out of the grunge thing. You know, I was a huge... I was still... I was a really big Metallica fan. I think that they are the ones who, like, kind of really molded my musical taste. It's pretty much them and, like, Nirvana. Yeah. I would say molded my musical taste. So I was still coming out of the grunge phase pretty hard. I'm just getting into the early Metallica stuff in 1996. Yeah. You know, and re- and Load was just that album. Like, uh, by the time I was really getting into music, Black Album's already been out for like a year or two. You know, it, this was my first new Metallica record that mm-hmm. I'm experiencing as a as a young kid. This mm-hmm. is my first new Metallica record, and I I I jumped at the chance, and I I loved it ever since. I really did. I I did not really. Like I, I've never been that much of an elitist to say like, oh my god, their cha- sound has changed. I can never listen to them again. Like I appreciate change. I like change. I like things p- to progress. Yeah. You know, like I I know I'm not the same person I was in 1996. I can't expect the people to to be to record the same kind of music with the same kind of passion, the same kind of like ferocity in 19 in like 1996 to like from like 1984. Mm-hmm. And I definitely can't expect them to do it in 2020 from like even 1996. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of expectation from fans that they, they are, that are unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know, and it sucks. And it really sucks. Cause then it just makes, it just, it just sucks. I don't like it. Yeah. So 
we're putting uh, you're putting I'm putting Metallica as number one Anthrax Megadeth and then Slayer okay I, I, I would just I have the pretty much um, I would I would probably swap Anthrax and, and Megadeth I, I would put Anthrax at the top as far as who did it best uh-huh. you know but it comes down to also like you know who do we have more favor for Oh, of course. Metallica's my favorite band all the time. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, I, I knew I knew Metallica was going to be your number one, but obviously, you know, you're going to have an explanation for it. But um, as far as you know, the rest of them, it's like a matter of like, okay, so then we talked about who we feel did it best. Who do we enjoy the most? Who so, do we enjoy the most? Yeah. So 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 taking the same four, who do we enjoy? Of that most. particular time period, or uh, like of 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 as far as like the entire discography, and and maybe focusing specifically on that that era, who do we enjoy the most? Hmm. Well, I probably don't. I I don't really have a leg to stand on as far as uh, like Anthrax because I only know like a few of the the John Bush era things. Yeah. So I'm not like the biggest fan of that. Not, yeah. not that I'm not the biggest fan. It's just, I'm just not as familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, so I can't really, really talk about that with them. Um, I think there's been, there were some clunkers in there with, with the, the Megadeth thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd have to, it'd be between Metallica and Slayer mm-hmm. because I really enjoyed the Slayer records like South of Heaven, Season of the Abyss. Uh, again, Divine Intervention was what got me into Slayer in the first place. Even the Diabolistic Musica, which is what they considered to be like their new metal record, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy those records. Yeah, I, listened I, to those. I remember that being one of the first ones you ever had. Yeah, I, I, I listened to those almost endlessly for a long time. Um, and Metallica's my favorite band, so it had to be between Slayer and Metallica of what I actually enjoyed the most of that particular time period. Okay. I'm going to do... Uh, number four, Slayer, because um, again, Slayer is Slayer. I mean, they 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 do like I have I have all the albums, most of the albums, missing one. Um, they don't deviate very much um, stylistically. I don't I don't have a particular inclination toward them. Um, so I'm gonna say that they stay at four. Uh-huh. Um, Anthrax is three. Um, as much as I enjoy, I've been enjoying listening to the Anthrax records and everything like that, um, I just I'm not I'm not as interested in, in them as I am the other two. Um, I I hmm, I would put Megadeth at two. Um, unfortunately, you know I, I do feel like there are a lot of tracks by Megadeth that are significantly better than some Metallica tracks, but. Comprehensively, uh, but um, well, if, if we're focusing, if we're focusing on that era, then uh, my 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 liking would probably uh, my liking would probably change a little bit. Okay, so if we're focusing specifically on that era that we're talking about, then Slayer Slayer stays at the bottom. Uh huh. Um, Megadeth stays at three. Uh, no, sorry. You put Anthrax at three, I think. No, Megadeth, Megadeth would be at Megadeth would be at three, Anthrax would be at two because of the, uh, of the enjoyment I have, and, Me- and Metallica would be at one because I really I really do thoroughly enjoy um, Load, 
reload. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of of Metallica regardless, and 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 it's like I have my gripes about every single album. Sure, of course, yeah. But but I still I still find myself going back to them the most and listening to them the most. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I can't, same. I, you know, I, I I listen to a couple of select tracks from Hardwired and everything like that. You know, I still go back and listen to Load every so often. Um, but I can't recall the last time that I listened to Risk. Can't remember right. the last time I listened to Cryptic Writings. Right. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's not like I'm going out of my way, unfortunately, to listen to to Megadeth lately. I mean, you know, I I I listen to like one or two albums to get myself, you know, a little bit more familiarized with some of their early stuff. But that's the early stuff. Yeah. But as far as the enjoyment goes, um, yeah, Slayer to to Megadeth to Anthrax to to Metallica. Yeah. So it just. It just kind of, you just kind of swap the two as far as who I feel did it best yeah. and who I liked the most. So, but yeah, that that was, was, that's that, a good talk. Yeah, that was my that was my my thought when I was going through the Anthrax records. So, so I mean now, but the thing is, as as let's go past that um, particular period. It, like, who do you think is doing it better now? In two thousand twenty, let's just say like let's just say each band the last like two records. Mm. Who do you think is doing it better now? Okay, so Slayer's at four again because again they're 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 so they're so in the box that it's like I can't I can't get particular enjoyment. Uh, I like I, I like them, but I don't I don't go I don't go nuts for them. Uh-huh. So they're at four. Um, can we discount Super Collider? No, we can't. We can't. <laughs> That's why I, my, my, my list, just because of that, is actually Slayer number four, Megadeth number three, Metallica number two, and Anthrax number one for yeah. who's doing it better now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Metallica's still going to be the biggest band ever. You can't deny that, period. But I'm talking about actual quality of recordings now. Yeah. And Anthrax, their last two records with Joey Belladon back in that band and their new sound from the, the previous era that we were talking about is perf- is almost perfection for the time now. Yeah. Metallica's last two records, they have been improving. Death Magnetic into Hardwired was definitely an improvement, but still not the best. Yeah. Megadeth, the only thing they have going against it, because Dystopia was a great record, is fucking Super Collider, which was trash. Yeah. Fucking trash. Yeah. And then, of course, Slayer just hasn't changed, so that's why they have to stay at the bottom. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that same list, just because, so, so, so Slayer, Megadeth, well... <sighs> Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Okay, keep 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 Mega Metallica at two. You said Metallica at two. Anthrax Metallica at two and Anthrax at one. Yeah, I I would go with that. I you know? I, I would agree with that. Again, because because Metallica, I mean, they are the stalwart of the scene. Yeah, uh, they are they are the end all be all pretty much. Yeah. So again, they 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 went from reload to reload, alienating fans. Then they tried to come back, Saint Anger, which was I think everyone could agree, even people looking back on it would say that's a trash record. But then Death Magnetic was a little bit better, and then Hardwire was even a little bit better than that. Mm-hmm. So, like, it feels like they're on the cusp of something great, one final swan song almost. Mm-hmm. But Anthrax is just consistently good. Yeah. You know? And Megadeth, they are such a bipolar band sometimes. Like, with Risk, like you talked about, there was a big risk, and they came back up with, like, you know, The System Has Failed, United Abominations, 13, and then, bam, fucking Super Collider. That was... Fucking trash! Oh damn it! Um, 
uh, I was saying it wrong before. The album that the album that they they came back with was not a System Has Failed. It was A World Needs a Hero. Oh. And that album I feel sounds super phoned in. It's, System Has Failed I felt was a great one. I thought the, wasn't The World Needs a Hero after System Has Failed? No, it was before. No? Oh, okay. Because because The World Needs a Hero came out and then then Dave had his arm act. Uh, oh, okay. Arm and then the System Failed. And then System Has okay. Failed came out and that was the one that I felt like yes, you guys are back. You guys are you guys got this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay I think so that was pretty I, much unanimous too. Yeah. And that. That I felt was was back to okay. back to back to basics and really kicking that ass. Because um, they had a series of good albums there. Because I think it was like it was System Has Failed, the End Game was one of them, right? It was System System Has Failed, United Abominations, End Game, Thirteen, Thirteen, which was kind of a mix between new tracks and kind of tracks that were in the vaults, um, into Super Collider, and then into uh, Dystopia. Dystopia. Man, Super Collider was trash. <laughs> No, yeah. I'm serious. So, I, I don't think I ever finished the whole record. Yeah. I don't think I did. I got through like maybe the first like two or three tracks, and it was bad. I just couldn't listen to it. It's not like it wasn't like Saint Anger bad, where like the sound sucked and the song sucked. Like the song sucked. <laughs> oh man, it was bad. Oh, uh, I got I gotta take another listen to it someday soon, and maybe I'll maybe I'll defend it somehow. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I, 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 my, my three listens thus far to it have been bad. Oh, oh like I think it's like I, I always try to look for the good in certain, like there are certain aspects of Saint Anger that I, I kind of like. I can go back and listen to some of these tracks and not like die, but like Super Collider for some reason is just the one album I cannot stand. I can't do it. Yeah, can't fucking do it. I can't bring myself to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I own it of course because it's you know it's Megadeth and collection and blah 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 blah. But yeah. no. Fucking no, I won't listen to it. Well, one day you'll have to try. I know, I one know. Day, one when day, we you... do, when we have to do the ten more reviews, like this is my ten more review: trash, 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 <laughs> fucking trash. <laughs> fucking hate that record so much. Well, you're gonna have to listen to it again just to get, just to kind of revamp your your hatred. Fucking hate you. Uh, but um. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We. I've been. I've been waiting for 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 that one. That uh, ten. That ten word review. Why don't we just do it? Because, because usually, because usually we do fan votes. I know, but why don't we just? Fucking well, do it? I'll put it as part of the fan vote. Well, actually, my thought for the next fan vote was um, the, the discography of Ozzy guitarist Gus G versus Zach Wild. Gus G only did one album. No, no, no. I mean. Like of their solo stuff or oh. other stuff, so like it would be Firewind versus like Black Label Society. Oh, you're having me listen to a lot of shit then, <laughs> and and, and, I, and I'm not I'm not I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. mean that would be a good one. Yeah, no. When, when, if I'm if I'm working less, maybe I would totally go for that. But right now, it's I know like, the Black Label's got a lot of shit out there. Uh, yeah, like I have most of it, but it's like okay, That's I, a I lot have, of I mean, shit. I have, I've barely gotten started with Firewind, so. But and they just released a new one, so it was like you're already behind. I'm way behind. So, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm right now. I'm trying to like you know think about other collections that I want to finish up and 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 pursue. So it's like okay, you know we need to, we need to slow the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Pump the brakes, kid. Yeah, Pump yeah. the old brakes. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but I think that brings an end to our our topic. Yes, for sure. Um, if people have thoughts, I'm sure they do because this is you know these are bands that are usually you know. People have arguments with. Uh, if you have thoughts, let them know. Let us know in the comments below on on Facebook or on Twitter or anywhere else. We we are, you know, we're on Instagram. Good stuff. Yeah. So let us know um, what your four would be, um, and 
think Elf needs food. Uh, so does Warrior. Yeah, so we'll make our curtain call here. Uh, until next time, I'm Dan Mack. And I'm Chris Mack. And we are The Slime. Good, good.